Welcome to the TEFL Training Institute podcast. My name is Jake Wynn and I'm here with the host of the show, Mr. Ross Thorburn. Today we thought we'd talk about two things, the number one questions that we get from young learner teachers. Ross and I have both worked all over Asia and we get questions from teachers every day. And what would you say the two number, the top two questions you get? Number one is how can I get my students to behave? And number two is how can I make them pay attention to what I'm doing in class? Seems like they're the same thing, right? <laughs> they're sort of two parts of the same problem. They're not behaving and they're not paying attention. So let's try and we're going to try and answer those two questions for you with a few tips from our experience. So I think that the three things choice, challenge, routine. Whenever their kids are not paying attention or they're misbehaving, it's about those three things. Choice, challenge, and routine. So what do you mean by choice? What kind of choice can you give your students? The idea of choice is that choice is the biggest motivator for young learners, letting them have some control over what they're going to do. That doesn't mean what do you want to do now, kids? Play a game. No, it means letting them feel like they've had some control over their learning. So when we work, talk about the word choice, we talk about the word control. The idea is that control leads to motivation. So if you're going to do a game, let them choose between two games. At least there's some sort of choice, right? If you're going to do a coloring even, let them choose between two things that they can color on the same topic. It's as simple as printing out an extra thing. If they're going to draw a picture, let them choose between three different things they can draw. By simply giving them a little bit of choice, you've handed over ownership to them, which then motivates them to focus in on what they're doing. I also think this is a great way to have some genuine communication in the class by saying to kids, I mean, say you're coloring something in, what color crayon do you want? Or if it's a choice of what coloring in do you want to do? Do you want to color in the tiger or do you want to color in the lion? There's real communication happening there. Yeah, and even if it's a very, very beginner student, I remember just holding up with these little three-year-old kids and holding up two pictures and they just go and point at the one they want and then they've made some sort of interaction with you and how nice is that i think one of the key points here is if you don't give students an opportunity to use their power in a positive way like that then some of them will use their power in a negative way to do something to disrupt your class because all human beings like to have some power and control one of my past managers many years ago said for discipline and we come back to this control thing about behavior is never kick a kid out of a class right now it seems so obvious now to me but back then you know it makes me this child's made me angry and they're not they're not listening to me and they're doing the wrong thing make them leave the class but what happens is i said to the child once leave the class and what did the child say to me no and then who was in control? <laughs> the child. And then I had no control in the class. So it's, and, it's, and also, you, you've just escalated this situation into an even worse situation. But, but that's a great opportunity to have choice, right? Do you want to leave the classroom and, and go out and calm down for five minutes? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to stay here and be quiet? 
Yeah, and 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 it can be in any of those situations, right? Do you want to stay sitting with Terry and stop talking, or do you want to come on over here and sit next to Michael because I know that you'll work with him? Or would you like to sit up here at the front next to me, or do you want to stay there and actually focus on what you're doing? By just giving that choice, they suddenly feel like, okay, great, I've got some control back, and now I'm going to be good again. And and the point is, you can integrate choice at almost. You know, almost all the way through your class, right? You know, sometimes choosing the group you want to be in or how you're going, even with older kids, you can, you know, how do you want to do the final task? Do you want to build a tower that looks like this or do you want to do a presentation? Great. Okay, that was choice. Let's talk about challenge. I was in a class a few weeks ago and I saw a teacher get all the students to repeat the same sentence one after another and there were 10 kids and he went down the line. And after about the third student, they started changing some of the words or shouting it or deliberately getting it wrong. And it was really, really clear that there was just no challenge there by student number three or student number four. And therefore, the behavior just went down. <laughs> yeah. So if it's not challenging enough, I will begin to act up. And it happens with all of us as well. If we're in a job that we feel like it's become mundane and we don't like it that much, we tend to take longer lunch breaks, you know. (laughs) But if we are being challenged at the right level, whether it's Vygotsky's ZPD level or if it's uh, Krashen's I plus one, but if you can keep that challenge at the right point, it makes the kids wanting to focus on something. Kids want to learn things. A good measurement of this is how many mistakes or errors do you hear your students making in your class? And if the answer is none, then I would guess that your students are probably not being challenged enough. It's interesting that in gaming, they know to set all the challenge at eighty around 85%. So if you're playing these games like Fortnite or something, they are constantly being challenged at about 10% above. So you always like you finish a mission and it's just a little bit harder than the last one. But it's so many teachers we see aren't challenging their children because they want everyone to get 100%. And that might be cultural as well. But you understand if you're getting 100%, at least half your class probably aren't being challenged enough. So they're going to get bored. And if they get bored... They start to misbehave, right? Mm-hmm. Or get, get bored and get distracted, right? So if a lot of the students in the class are maybe at different levels and things, how can you make sure everyone's being challenged at the right level? Okay, I have this, this is the simplest anecdote or idea that you can use from this. So say it's a very simple sentence like, it is a ball. The obvious way to start challenging is to add in an adjective there, right? So it is a red... <laughs> So you let them choose between red, orange, and blue. So they do, it is a red ball. But then the next time you're adding in, it is a big or small. So at each time, and then some of the other kids might not even have to, they might just keep doing, it is a ball. Some of the kids might do, it is a red ball, or a blue ball, or an orange ball. And some of the kids might do, it is a big red ball, right? And then you've allowed that some kids can push it a little bit further. And you're only plussing, it's, it's why it's called plus one. You're only adding a little bit and for the certain students who can, who might want to do it. Another way you can do challenge is not just adding more language. It could just be speeding up. So some kids might just do, it is a ball. Good. But Lisa, you might think, is doing better. 
Let's challenge her to say it faster. So for Johnny, it's it is a ball, and you just you just prompt him by doing the pace. But Lisa, it's like Lisa, right? And she's got to go. It is a ball. Mm. Another really simple one is two or three sentences. So Johnny and I hold up one finger. He doesn't feel bad. He says it is a ball, and then I hold up to Lisa two fingers, and she knows it is a ball. It is a dog, right? She's got to do two sentences, and then I might go over to Mark, and he gets three sentences. And I can actually then control who I'm pushing because I know how well they're doing. Another thing with the vocabulary is you can just add in some common collocations, right? Instead of teaching pizza, this is a pepperoni pizza, or this is a margarita pizza, or instead of this is a car, it's a sports car, right? And again, with some students, they'll pick up on the adjectives that comes before the noun, and other ones won't. But that's fine, and everyone's able to say something at their own level. And another one I really like is when you're doing is you have to write between five and ten sentences and you've all got ten minutes to do it. Great. Yeah, then r- you... Write at least three sentences. Yeah, yeah, right. And then everyone can write more if they have to. Yeah, the people who write three more. feel like they got the challenge met. Yeah, and what, I've, what you'll find is that most kids will push themselves to the level that they can go to. They want to be able to do well. And that's the classic one for parents. Mummy, mummy, look at me. You know, I jumped off this bigger rock today. But you take that mentality. Kids want to show what they've done just a little bit better than yesterday. Great. Okay, let's move on to the last of your three points. Routine. What, what, what is routine? Routine is just making sure that there's some sort of regular processes happening in the class that don't let kids have time to misbehave. And I have one number one advice for this in your first lesson with a new group of learners is just when we come to class, where do we put our bags? What do we say when we want to put our hands up? How do we go to the toilet? Where do we get our pencils out? Where do we store this? Make sure you pre-teach all the other things they have to do. Like if you want to speak to someone, you might have to put up your hand and do this. And it's nice because those things also require language teaching students can i go to the toilet please is a bit of language which is useful right but it's also a a routine i think a lot of the time when you see class behavior going bad is like at the end of an activity or going from one activity to another or i remember recently seeing a class where at the end of a coloring in the teacher was trying to get the crayons back and you know the students wanted to finish and it you know that you end up getting into this fight with the students over the crayons those are the times i think you want to design routines for those things so when you're collecting the crayons in instead of give me the crayons you can sing a little song bye bye pens bye bye pens right and then bye bye scissors bye bye scissors and you can create little songs or little things with actions that go with all of these common classroom one of the classics is Try to ensure you have a place where those crayons go in the classroom. So they know like, okay, now in five, four, three, two, one, crayons. And then they all know they've got to pack them into this box and carry them over here. And they're going to help each other do it. But it's focusing their energy on something beyond now I have nothing to do. Ross, can I just elaborate on what you said is those segues between activities are usually the time when a fast finisher has done something and they're done. And there's other kids who are trying to finish. So maybe let them know that there are other things that they can be doing in that time. And yourself being aware that those bits are the times when behavior issues can come up. 
Right. I mean, I find the main time they come up is just when students don't have anything to do. Mm. I think a lot of teachers expect students to sit and watch other students doing games or sit and wait patiently for 15 or 20 minutes. Anyone listening to this, if you're waiting at a bus stop or a train station, you have any more than about 20 seconds, you get out your phone because yeah. you're bored. And it's the same with kids. If you ask them to sit and wait for more than about 10 seconds, of course, they're going to talk to the person next to them or look at something or comment on something. So for me, a big part of this is just making sure that your kids always have something to do mm. in the class. Can I make a suggestion? Have things like reading stations. So you could say in the corner of the class, there's eight books out. If you finish early, put up your hand, but I've pre-taught you that. Yep, you finished. Okay, great. Do you want to go to the reading station or to the drawing station? And at least they're doing something, right? Even if it's just drawing, and I know a lot of people say, well, there's no language in that, but it's still allowing some creativity. You say, cool, back at the classroom, here's your paper, here's a pen. What color would you like? I'd like orange, please. Here's your orange. What other colors would you like? Here you go. Now go and draw for five. It's fine. I'm keeping you occupied. And again there, I guess you're also offering students some kind of a choice. Another thing about routines is you can set up routines, which are just ways of you getting the student's attention back. Because again, a lot of the time, you might want the students to focus on you after doing a coloring or book work or, or group work. And that, that's another time where behavior problems can start. So it could be, again, singing a song that's got some actions that goes along with it. It could be doing like a Simon Says, everyone touch your nose, everyone touch your head, everyone... Or another one is, everyone look at the window, look at the door, look at Jake, look at someone else, look at me. And then at the final point of it, you've got everyone's attention at you. And then, well, that's just the end. And then you move on to the next thing. And all the students have played this game and they're all looking at you. And then you're ready to move on. Can I add to that one? If you're a teacher that likes to move around a lot, you have a point at the front of the classroom. And you tell your students, if I'm back on this point and I'm not speaking and I'm holding up my hand like this, or I've got my hand on my nose. That means I want you to all touch your nose and sit in silence. And it's amazing. So you practice it on the first day. You just go up to the front, put your hand on, and see how quickly they can do it. Then you say, kids, run around, be crazy, go crazy. And then you go up the front, see who can do it. You watch, if you've done it a few times, and you hold it on, and you're looking at each kid, that last kid or those last kids will realize they've got to sit. Then you have silence. One more time, everyone. That was Jake Whitten. For more from Jake, check out the link in the show notes to watch his webinars. For more from us, remember to check out our website, www.tefltraininginstitute.com. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. You'll also find a link to support the podcast by buying us a coffee. It'd be wonderful if you could do that. If you'd like to support us, but you don't have any money, that's fine too. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Goodbye.